Hello and welcome to East Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we've seen the new, interesting and quite a big hit, mm. Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes. It's kind of come out of the blue a little bit and people are really into this. Mm. Um, it's an action movie, largely, but mm. there's drama, there's comedy, it's a whole mix of genres, so a lot's going on in it. Um, and the, the time it takes to tell that story matches it. It's about two and a half hours, I think yeah. a, little, a little less than. It felt long. It did feel long. Me. Funnily, I think I got the sense, just from our body language mm. in the cinema, that I liked the bits you didn't or were getting bored by, and you liked the bits I found awful. Maybe. So we'll talk about oh, That's it. interesting, yes. I didn't um, notice that, but yes. It stars um, Michelle Yeoh as this mum who's put upon. She runs a laundry... So she's an immigrant mum in America from China. Uh, she's got a daughter she's raising who's a teenager um, who's in a new relationship with a girlfriend. Uh, she's got the husband she's trying to deal with. The husband that we she doesn't know at this point wants a divorce. Um, she's trying to run the laundromat. She's trying to take care of the daughter. She... They are not quite cheating on their taxes, but they don't seem to have filed everything properly, so the IRS is coming into play. Mm. All this stuff is... Just, I mean, the, the intro is a real sort of... Um, it has that kind of slice of life sort of everything's on top of this woman sort of mm. thing. You get the sense of all the stresses. Mm. Um, and then, on their security cameras, we see, but she doesn't, that the dad, all of a sudden, uh, starts leaping around the place like an action hero. Mm. And we go, what's going on here? And what transpires is a story of the multiverse. We're seeing a lot of multiverses in recent times, and this mm. is another story about a multiverse. Um, and also, not unlike Doctor Strange 2 that we saw recently, it's essentially got that dreamwalking that mm. that had in it, where people from one universe in this great network can take over the body, puppeteer the body of one of, of, of themselves in a different universe, which is mm. what happens to the dad at the start, we ultimately come to learn. He's been puppeteered by someone, and this uh, Alpha universe, which is the first one that discovered the multiverse and how to travel between them and so on, uh, is looking for Michelle Yeoh's character. Mm. Uh, as it transpires, she was the one who, in the Alphaverse, discovered going across the universe. She's a great genius in that universe, but she's dead in that universe, and in order to stop um, a great existential threat to the entire multiverse... They need to find another one of her. Hmm. So several others have been tried. Also, we learn she's the latest in a long line of dead Michelle Yeohs. Right. I'm so amazed that you managed to find, you know, uh, pull together the plot like that. It's <laughs> it, yeah. It, for, I kind of I didn't even bother to do that. <laughs> the film is kind of rapid and full of ideas. A lot of which I think you've probably seen in different contexts. I mean, I mm. recognise a lot of them. Um, I, I think there's kind of there's the infinite improbability drive from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy kind of makes an appearance mm. in that they have to do these improbable things in order to activate a way out of the problem mm. that they're in a different you know way to another universe. There's um, there's some Rick and Morty in there. Rick and Morty has done this interdimensional cable thing where the great genius in that world, Rick, uh, is able to get TV from all these different universes. Mm. Um, and it just makes for shitloads of jokes. Mm. And while I was feeling down about this film in the kind of middle section, one of the things I was thinking was, oh, that episode of Rick and Morty where they introduced the interdimensional cable did what this is doing so much better in so many ways. Mm. We might talk about that. Um, 
there's Wong Kar Wai, you know, in the Chinese, in, in the universe in which Michelle Yeoh's character is a star. Mm. She's essentially Michelle Yeoh in that universe, mm. right? She's an action star. She's a kung fu mm. hero. Um, and those shots are, you know, in the mood for love shots, right? Well, frankly, I don't think any of the film was in the mood for love shots. Because, but they're aping that style. Yeah, yeah no, they're aping that style. But I was very surprised by how ugly the film is. When I was feeling down about it, I was thinking, this is visual. Turn the lights on. I thought there were shots you can't see anything. Yeah, um, yeah I found that And problem. also, they weren't, they weren't framed. They weren't compa- I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's visual imagery that's full of information, mm. right? You know, I mean, I loved, for example, in those scenes with Jamie Lee Curtis, the pictures of the cats in the apartment, right? So yeah. a lot of thought has gone into what to put in the frame. But actually, I don't think enough thought has been given to how to compose it, how to frame it, how to light it. You know, I just don't understand why it needs to be so dark and so ugly chaotic. Yeah, I mean, the so chaotic would make a certain kind of sense, I suppose, but I didn't appreciate it. I think <laughs> some decent work has been done in the editing to, to make this overload of information legible. I think there are times that there is some really good work in the cross-cutting between universes because once you get to know several universes in which we're seeing these... They remain the legible. Yeah. Right, they remain legible. And when you cut from one to the other to the other to the other very quickly to sit to kind of get this update on what's happening at some moments of high stress or something, mm. you, you get it or you don't really miss anything. Mm. Right? So I think that's good. Um, there are times when I was deeply confused just because of sort of plot mechanics or, or, or rather world mechanics. So... Um, there's this thing about this this going into someone else's body and puppeteering it. And that's once that's explained, it's very easy to understand that's what's happening. Um, but then uh, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Evelyn, that character's name is, goes into the movie star, Evelyn, and learns Kung Fu. But, that, but what that happens there is she goes into that body and brings back information on how to fight Kung Fu so she can win her own fight, which isn't the same as what we've learned up till then. So it's a different way in which this cross-universe mm. movement is working. And I thought, oh, this is going to be... They're going to ask the question, how did that happen? That's not the same. But they didn't. Mm. And it's only a little bit later that it's essentially, in a small way, kind of explained away that... Because you see that thing on the screen. They have this kind of head office... Uh, in the alpha verse and you see these drop down boxes on screens and it says download mm. this skill that skill and you go okay so they have accounted for that but at the time I thought this is a confusing thing that they haven't explained and I'm waiting for them to acknowledge that they haven't explained it yet but they weren't so mm. I was frustrated there are things like that that I found very 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 frustrating I didn't I didn't find it frustr- I didn't find that frustrating I mean but I found not frustrating frustrating you know, because I laughed a lot, and there are moments of the film that I like a lot, but I also thought it was repetitive. So actually, when it came to the third part, I really groaned because I thought, oh, "Fuck, not another hour of this!" Right? Like, you know, because you felt you knew how it was going to end, you knew what the dilemmas were, you mm. felt you'd already gone to the same ground several times, right? Mm. You know, so so I did feel. Uh, yeah, you groaned, and when it came up with the, the part three, because it does part one, everything, then part two, like an hour later everywhere and then part three eventually all at once and when that came up you went oh and i said to you it's the epilogue like it was clearly the epilogue for me i know but it i mean (laughs) it had felt a bit long at moments before you know and and the epilogue could be two minutes or it could be like 25 right yeah it could well Uh, so so anyway i think what what my involuntary groan signaled is that i was kind of fed up with the film yes so Uh, that latter half of the film 
is where I sensed you were losing interest mm. and you were starting to kind of fidget as I had been before. Um, because there is a sense that this film is ending, there's a climax coming, but the climax is actually a series of climaxes. Yes. Um, but- one after another after another. And there's this thing, so this kind of ultimate thing is that um, Evelyn's daughter is the antagonist of this film. And she, from the Alphaverse, was pushed by her mum to uh, get very, very, very good at travelling universes. But she became so good at it that it fractured her brain and now she exists in every universe, everywhere, all at once. Um, And that stresses her out. So she, she made this bagel, which is like a black hole. She put everything on the bagel and everything includes hopes, dreams, fears, her past. Which means that... It just turns into this black hole. It's going to suck her in. And what you ultimately get this feeling of is that this is next... It's not about destroying the universe, multiverse. It's about destroying herself. Yes. She wants to die. She wants to find out if she can die. Yes, the film right. is that clear. Exactly. Um, and what and it also makes it clear is that it's her mom's controlling ways and lack of acceptance and wanting to change her that is killing her. So the film gets to this point where it, it the bagel is starting to take things over and the threat is you know are we going to go into this thing is she going to be able to kill herself what's going to happen mm. but it takes a very 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 long time because she keeps on going into it they're not going into it or going near it getting pulled back and there's this constant fight happening and every time it made that movement to end the film but then not i was going okay what's happening now i felt you were probably going oh just mm. end mm. um but the reason that the film was improving for me around this time was because it was actually dealing with things as though they mattered. Mm. I think before then... That's a good point. I was thinking this is, rather like I said about Doctor Strange, in fact, one thing after another, I don't. I, I, I see some of the jokes, or I think some of them are too pure rather than they weren't for me. Um, do you really like the dildo stuff? I love the dildo <laughs> stuff. You know, uh, and, and actually I think... I mean, the first time I saw the dildo, because it signaled, mm-hmm. right? I went, yeah. I groaned. You yeah, know, the but butt, I, butt plug initially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then actually, kind of, you know, when the joke started, I did think it was funny. I, you did? I, I will. They're I'm not, running I'm, after that dildo. They want to <laughs> get in there. <laughs> I'm, not making, I'm not making a moral judgment, but the first time the dildo came up, the, the butt plug rather, as the um, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's award at the IRS, you laughed then. No, but there was a previous one because actually there was a a cock. Oh, was it? Yeah, there was a big flaccid. Oh, was it? Yeah. So I thought, oh no, it's going to be full of that type of joke. Uh, Fair enough. Though actually, maybe it's a sad (laughs) statement that those types of jokes did work on me. So uh, yeah, I mean, I wondered whether you thought it was homophobic. The joke that it's it's these two guys who are trying. So the idea is that to access another universe, you have to do something very improbable, and the improbable thing in this case is sitting on a big uh, butt plug. Um, see, the but reason, it's only the guys who want to sit on that the, butt plug. The reason why it was funny, and actually this reminds me of a joke, you know, of how to direct a joke. It's a George Cukor story, mm-hmm. right, where, you know, they wanted to make a joke about Spencer Tracy sleepwalking and getting into Catherine Hepburn's bed, which is a meat cute, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but then they said, no, that cannot happen, right, because it won't be funny. It'll make the audience... It'll creep him out. It'll creep him out because it's a man jumping into a sleeping woman's bed. Mm-hmm. You have to do it the other way around. It's the woman who sleepwalks and she gets into the man's bed. Yeah. And then it's funny. Right? Yeah, because there's no threat in that. That's right. 
And I thought this was a little bit like the, the butt plug joke, right? <laughs> it's, you know, it's a different thing if they're threatening it with it or, you know, but they're eager. They want to yeah. get in there, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what makes it funny for me. Sure. Yeah, yeah no, I get that. Um, yeah. But the, so this is around the time in the film that, like I say, I was, I was losing patience because I thought, where is this going? And this is just one thing after another. I did. I was, I was also finding a lot of it just not very funny, but that's just taste, you know? Mm. And um, I mean, I, I was like, I was very uncharitably noticing all the jokes in the film that didn't get a laugh amongst the audience and paying no attention to the ones that did. But it got plenty of laughs. Yeah, I laughed a lot. Um, Um, But then, like I say, when when you get towards this this climactic, let's call it 45 minutes or more, um, even though it was taking a long time, I thought, oh, now we're getting people's stories... Including characters I never, I didn't think we were going to get Jamie Lee Curtis's character story, who's yes, an IRS agent, and I love and, Jamie Lee Curtis, and it treats her story with seriousness. Yeah, and and there's like a lesson to learn from it. Yeah. So we get her, we get the daughter, of course, we get the mum, we get the dad as well. Mm. Um, and so they each get their own kind of. This is going to be the, the final story, and even though it's not for three of them, they are treated with seriousness. Something comes out of them, and I didn't quite find them moving. But I, but I, I appreciated. I don't, I don't find it moving either. Um, but I love the actors, right? I love Michelle Yeoh, and I love Jamie Lee Curtis in this. Mm. You know, she's like so game. She's up for anything. <laughs> she's willing to make a fool of herself, right? And yes. you know, and she's in character all the time. I, lo- I love her performance in this. Yes, um, and she's willing to make herself unpretty. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, also, that you recognize who the husband was because. I just happened to catch that on online, on Facebook. Yeah, one someone said it was um, was it the kid? No, I can't remember. It's the kid from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Right. Yeah, the, the Chinese kid. Yeah, that very racist Chinese stereotype that the kid plays. <laughs> Ki Hoi Kwan. Yeah, is the actor's name. Yeah, he played Short Round. That's right. In Temple of Doom, and he was in Goonies as well, but I've never seen Goonies. Oh yes, but that's uh, a real landmark for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and also I recognise the grandfather from endless 1970s television shows. Yeah, including, yeah. Including, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Doris Day show. Oh, right. Yeah, so. James Hong. Yeah. Um, and I think he's well known for... I mean, when he, when he gets out of that chair, because he's, he's a little bit sort of old Also, Flower Drum Song. Can you check to see if he's in Flower Drum Song? I think he might be the father in Flower Drum Song. Flower Drum Song. I think it's 1957 or 58, the film. Okay, I'll have a look. It's... Um, is it Big Trouble in Little China that's one of the big ones for him? But, um, it's like 19- yeah, nineteen sixty-one. Okay, he was head waiter. Okay, how do you remember that? The bagel, I think, is an interesting indicator of what the film or some of the film's themes because because the daughter, we should say, who the daughter's played by as well, um, Stephanie Sue, is Generation Z. Hmm. And Generation Z and Millennials as well are associated with brunch and the bagel as a kind of, like it could only okay. have been more of an indicator of, of the, that generation had it had smashed avocado on it, you know. Ah. And it's like, so it's this idea of like this generation giving up on life, finding mm. life too much or too challenging and wanting it all to end through the medium of their favourite food. Because mm. <laughs> uh, I think that one of the themes of the film is this generational difference. I mean, we see three generations of this family. For sure. And how they relate to each other, or fail to. And of a Chinese family. So, so let me say, what I loved about it was that it's about a Chinese family, right? And that a lot of the dialogue is subtitled, and it is dealing with, you know, tropes that I imagine would be familiar, certainly to any 
immigrant mm. family and I, you know and obviously there are particular things related to Chinese culture so I love that you know that the film makes that the milieu the center the universe uh, I also uh, very much loved that the dilemma to resolve or the con- the intergenerational conflict revolves around acceptance of the lesbian daughter yeah mm-hmm. intergenerationally because you know, you occasionally and, and, you know, not too often see it in relation to men, but it's really nice, you know, that this is, yeah, a lesbian, yeah, yeah, acceptance of the lesbian daughter. And that the main dilemma really is about a mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, that's the heart of it. And then, of course, tangentially to that is also the past generation's father-daughter thing. Yeah. yeah so one thing is played against the other. And that in itself demarcates a change, yeah? So, you know, the father not approving of the daughter's choice of husband is cause for shunning her. And then the mother only semi-accepting, you know, the lesbian daughter's relationship or accepting it at face value, but really being embarrassed in front of the father is what is causing the suicidal bagel <laughs> in the daughter, right? Yeah. Uh, so I really, I, 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 I very much loved all of that. And I loved what I see as kind of like a camp humor in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if it's gay. Yeah, but it's definitely camp. Yeah, the thing with the raccoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, there were a lot of kind of jokes that seemed to take, you know, the function of one thing in the form of another, or divorcing kind of one thing from another. Was the, the it, daughter maybe blowing up the the security guard's head, but like with confetti? Yeah, you know, it's like it's a murder, but in a very joyous way. Yes, exactly that kind of thing, right? Um, so, so, and the timing of that, I thought, was like very good. But I, I must say, I thought its treatment of in quotation marks, important themes, I thought was a bit banal. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and I thought it was too long, right? So so the negatives are, it's kind of ugly to look at, mm. you know, and it's too long, and it's a bit banal. Yeah. The good points for me are the actors, yeah, that some of the jokes really land, and that it does feel like original storytelling. Yeah, and I like the fact that it is treading on this interesting thematic territory yeah. even though ultimately it is giving you quite a pat let's just be nice <laughs> why can't let's things be, be kind not? right you know I love my daughter I'll never let you go all that kind of stuff you go oh, okay let's be kind to the IRS <laughs> <laughs> that is novel <laughs> but when you get that false ending it does at one point where mm. you know Joy the daughter has won and the mum is dead it's like the end okay no one is going to believe that that's the ending when it comes up on screen but yeah that would be quite a bold ending mm. um, but of course you know that's not what you're going to get mm. um, going to the look of it just quickly there is one point that is nerdy but so the film um, moves between different aspect ratios uh, I don't know exactly what they are but one of them is 4-3 when it's going into the kind of historical footage footage of their past mm. which is very nice it re- reminded me of um, Mountains Made Apart mm. and then in the present in the main universe we've seen, the one in which we're introduced to all the characters, the one where she runs a laundromat, mm. it's, um, I, I don't know exactly, maybe 185 to 1. And then in other universes, and particularly in action scenes, it's wider than that, maybe 235. Point is that you have to crop to get between mm. the aspect ratios. And normally that's not a problem. 
But I had a problem with it here because the main universe, the one on which we start, is the middle aspect ratio, and that essentially fills the screen. It fills it from top to bottom, but there was space on the left and right because the screen was wider than the frame. Mm. So then it's cropped down. More more of the sides are cut off when we go into the past footage. Again, fine. It's filling the frame as much as it can. Mm. But when we went into the action footage with the even wider frame, it was cropped at the top and bottom. So it was cropped at the top and bottom and left and right. So the whole thing was just bordered by black when it could have filled filled mm. the frame, filled the screen that we had available to us in this cinema. Because mm. not everyone's going to watch... Like, when you watch it on TV at home, it's not going to be able to do that because mm. TVs aren't that wide. But it was available to us here. And the fact that it didn't blow up and fill the whole thing made those action scenes feel small. I, I, I found that... Again, this is maybe something that later on in the film... Because I was more into the film, I was letting it go a bit more. But in the middle of the film, when I was finding it pretty uh, dull, I was really picking up on this and going, mm. "Like what this this the." I understand that you can't legislate for what every screen in the world is going to be like because they're all different. But I found it a problem that 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 decision had been made in that way. I didn't. I mean, yeah. you know, I know it's nerdy. I know it's like, and people going, "Yeah." But I felt yeah, yeah, okay. It. Was watching a smaller image than I needed to <laughs> <laughs> you know? in a cinema. Exactly. Uh, I I must say, you know, that is like of my list of problems with the film that would rank very low. Yeah, sure. Um, so so I do think it's kind of innovative filmmaking, actually. I mean, I, I can't think of another film, you know, quite like this that we've seen. I, you know, the to me the Doctor Strange film, which has you know this theme at least of the multiverse or whatever there's some real similarities yeah and there are real similarities and of course to me that was much more pleasing mm. you know because it has much higher production values it's glossier you know and I'm very cheap and facile that way I love the glossiness of expensive films right yeah, yeah. Uh, and this lack that but it didn't it didn't compensate with visual imagination I thought you know um, no, it, it kind of it looked dark and it copied shots now and again, like I say, there was one car wide. There was also Matrix stuff, and it also used... Um, 2001. Music. Well, yeah, it, it copied a scene from 2001 yeah. and made a joke out of it. But in terms of kind of visual style, yeah, it was yeah. kind of taking from The Matrix and also using a musical cue that The Matrix had, sure. kind of the two-tone uh, brass thing on the, on the soundtrack, was straight from it. So again, that is a deliberate mm. kind of lift. Um, but it wasn't doing... Enough that was visually exciting, and it, and it was too dark, and I don't think it's just a projection thing, because there were things in the frame, like there were lights on in the background that you could see were bright, and the characters in the foreground were not well lit, and I was going, mm. this, is, this is an issue. And yet, I think something worth um, mentioning, at least, if not discussing, is how extraordinary it is that a film starring Michelle Yeoh, who must be in her 50s She's now, 59. You know, with large chunks of it in Chinese, Mm-hmm. Yeah, is the surprise hit of the moment. Yeah, it's good. so it costs $25 million, and at the moment its box office is around 65 Yeah, and it's only going to grow. Yeah. And it's getting very good word of mouth, very good press. And it's like, um, it's it's only been released 10 days or something, right? So Yeah. Um, the stuff with the with the language reminded me of West Side Story, because one of the complaints that you had about that, which mm. was a very good complaint, was... That the sub the unsubtitled Spanish that these characters speak in the home should be subtitled. Mm. It's showing it's trying to show this respect for Spanish, saying, "Well, there's no good reason to subtitle Spanish when it's just as legitimate a language as English." But to an English-speaking audience, that it's is a problem. Sure, yeah, it's right. Stupid. And but this yeah. is very easy to follow. I mean, because the characters also jump between English and yeah, Chinese, yeah. and it, and it doesn't subtitle when they're in English. So 
I was noticing myself listening in English and then going and then following the sentence into the mm. subtitles, you yeah, know, yeah. like actually very, very legible, really, really entertaining. It's not hard it's, to do. Yeah. It's fun. No. Um, one of those stereotypes of the immigrants' parents and the children is that, that you know, this whole thing started in the film where the immigrant mum was pushing her daughter super hard to get good at going through the universes. Yes. Like, that's such an, you know what I mean? You, you put all that pressure on your kids. Uh-huh. Come, like, a whole film comes out of that. Yes. You know, that's fun. Um, <laughs> what do they call, there was a name for over-ambitious, destructive Chinese mothers. It was, what, dragon, tiger moms? Tiger moms. Yeah. Which, she, she's know. not quite vicious enough to be a tiger mom, but she. No. But clearly, well, clearly the alpha. She's version. the wrong class as well. Yeah. Because I thought a tiger mom was also a rich mom who you know signed them up to twenty five lessons a day of different things and so on. Maybe I'm not. I, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but certainly, the the tiger mom in this is the alpha mom who we didn't see who pushed her into going through the universities, whereas the mum we're actually introduced to who runs a laundromat. Is, is a put a, a, upon the most we see is that we she's too stressed to be a tiger mom, mm. you know. Um, but I do like how this theme of being able to access all these universes at any one time has multiple ways in which it can be used, kind of allegorically, because it's start what because first of all it's a daughter who can do it, and she expresses kind of stress and rage through this that I've got all of this in my head and I can I can't all of these universes are giving me all of this pressure. Um, so I just want to end it all. Hmm. So that has that, like I said, that kind of that that millennial Gen Z feeling of existential. Just I want to give up on this. And then when the mum takes it on, the, the end of the film basically mirrors the start. Where at the start she had things pulling her in all these different directions, and it was very much the kind of um, the kind of domestic housewife slash working mum. Just all these things, and I've got to be the one who's attending to everything. And then when you get to she has access to all these universes that kind of is this you know, writ large expression of the same idea. Mm-hmm. I've got all these places. And again, they're all, they're all coming for my attention. Yeah. You know, that idea in the film is malleable and applicable mm-hmm. in different ways to these two different characters, mm-hmm. which I thought was nice. The Rick and Morty thing I mentioned, the reason I brought it up, this interdimensional cable thing was because that's like a 20 minute episode. It's American sitcom mm-hmm. cartoon TV. Um, but what's happening in, in that episode, and it's really worth watching because it's a good show, is a couple of the characters are sitting there just watching all these different TV channels and it's just one stupid joke after another after another. But other characters have that, this headset that they can see different versions of their life, what their mm. life could have been. That's such a theme in this film, is the idea of what your life could have been. We see actual life li- like timelines, you know, and the idea of uni- new universes are made when you make a choice. Mm. So when you choose to stay at home or go, that's a big one in Michelle Yeoh's character. And the question is, what would have happened if she hadn't married and gone off with her husband? Mm. Um, and why it turns out would have happened in this one universe that we're given is she would have become Michelle Yeoh, the great movie star, action hero, and so on, uh, because she meets up with her uh, non-husband in this universe, and they discuss this. But the thing is, <laughs> when it was kind of just starting to bring that stuff up, before it was treating it with any seriousness... I was thinking, in that episode of Rick and Morty, it's about the mum and the dad, because they're not happy together, and the whole series, they're just not happy together, mm. they're just making do. And in this episode, it's all about them being confronted with the idea that they would have these amazing, beautiful lives, mm. and that they'd both be very happy with, mm. had they not met. But then the upshot of that is also the daughter doesn't exist in any of them, and she's incredibly depressed at how happy they are. And it's such a great, like, it's a, it's a stupid, funny thing that becomes really depressing when she gets involved and 
and has this dramatic like I, but I'm not hearing any of them, you know. Mm. And that's a 20 minute episode of TV, right? And I was thinking, is this one going to take two and a half hours to do that same thing? Doesn't quite. But I was, you know, for a long time I was thinking, this is taking so long. The uh, film is taking uh, so uh, long uh, to do something like uh, a see coming, which uh-huh. I think ultimately goes to that banality we feel at the end because they don't think in thematic terms and plot terms it ends up resolving in any way you wouldn't expect it to mm. it goes pretty much where you think it's oh going yeah to you go. knew this from the beginning uh, everyone's going to have a happy life and they'll be resolved with the universe yes multiverse so let's wrap this up ultimate yes. verdict I, I think it's an easy film to recommend because the good things about it far outweigh the bad. Hmm. You know, it's really imaginative. It's very bold. It's got a lot of ambition to it. All of that is great. I mean, we didn't even talk about, well, actually you talked a little bit about kind of representation of, of immigrant families and being treated as kind of normal. Hmm. As, you know, they're, they're not picked on for being Chinese or anything like that. It's just, they are, they ha- they are, they are the center of the film's world, you know, but like it could be a white family and it sort of would make a difference, right? Hmm. They're not treated as different in that way, which is wonderful. And that's nice to see. Um, the film has a very kind of egalitarian view on people and it ultimately gives all these people, allows these people to have their stories heard, yes. including the IRS person, which is a wonderful thing. And actually, even though the hot dog fingers thing I was never really on board with, I could see the tenderness was that was being drawn out of it ultimately. Uh, so I think it's, it is an easy film to recommend, though I think I was having lunch with friends today and, you know, they were raving about the film. And I think I had also told you that I'd heard good things from other people. Mm. So I think I went in with too high expectations, and I must say I was a bit disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so also, I, you know, it could be a question of mood. I was thinking, am I in the wrong mood, or is this, this just not as funny or as interesting as I was led to expect? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, don't go expecting, like, the salvation of the world, yeah? It's kind of, it's a fun film, yeah, with with kind of like a good heart, and I suppose, you know, well, what to me are good politics, which other people might not agree with, yeah, but with a very inclusive understanding of the world. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah, so it's it's nice. It's, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. All right, well, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.